Hey guys, how you doing? Welcome to episode two of Groovecast. Groovecast, not groove as in G-R-O-O-V-E, but groove, G-U-R-O-O-V-E-C-A-S-T. So, I've done one episode the other day, no listens yet, but that's alright. I know things take time. How much time, who knows, but it doesn't matter. Um, you know, these ramblings are more for me than anything else, but I've decided to put them on a public platform for anyone else that may be inclined to check it out. So basically, Garoovecast, as I mentioned in episode one and in the trailer, is a divine inspiration, a collaboration, a unification of the arts, especially in music, and my favorite in that, which is heavy groove music, and how that's inspired me so much over the years, and how the inward journey, i.e. spirituality, but not so much your typical, stereotypical, uh, bullshit, uh, fluffy, kind of pie-in-the-sky spirituality, not that kind. The stuff that you kind of might have a bit of an interest in initially and then you find out it's hard fucking work. Um, not in a bad way, just in a how just how it is way um, and getting little drops of divine inspiration uh, and... Uh, little light bulbs going off in your head and flashes of inspiration and little drops of divine nectar that make you realize that all your inspiration is coming from one source but you thought it was many different ones and that's kind of what this is about in a nutshell this podcast is realizing that and there are so many ways to realize that. There's so many different experiences and ways and stories that people have around the world. I know that they're all there. And I'm just, A, uh, interested to share mine, but more interested to hear yours. And um, I just think it can be a really cool thing for us to share. But that's down the track but you got to start somewhere, so that's why I've started. And um, if you didn't listen to the episode one or the trailer, I don't even remember what I mentioned in the trailer in that 59 seconds of uh, super speed uh, ranting. Um, I don't think I mentioned who I was or where I was from, but in the first episode I did. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, go and listen to it because I ain't going to say it again. Every single time. I might mention it again. Maybe not now, but later on. Another episode. So, yeah. You know, sometimes when people get super inspired by an artist, um, a musician, for example, their abilities or just their style, the way they do something, and when they collaborate with another musician in the band... Or if it's a solo project and they just have a 
a collaboration, you know, uh, either live uh, on stage or in the studio, and something just comes together and it is like nothing else um, that you have heard before. And it stands the test of time because you listen to it years later and it's still something that you'd never heard before except at that time. No one's ever replicated it, not in terms of the, like, trying to rip them off, but just replicated that replicated that feel or captured that spirit or whatever. And, you know, I'm talking about music here, but it could be any art form, you know, or even a speech or a, or a stand-up comedy set or whatever, man, like whatever it is. And um, just all the ingredients were right at that time, the circumstances were right, whatever else you want to throw in the mix in terms of the elements and or the jigsaw or fitting or whatever. But, um, yeah, there's there's some really cool examples of that in heavy groove music. And I will go back to right now uh, who I mentioned towards the end of the first episode, which are the Brothers Abbott from Arlington, Texas. May they both rest in peace. They are now no longer with us. But they wrote some of the coolest heavy groove tunes known to mankind. Um, my favorite album is no surprise. 1992, Vulgar Display of Power. Vulgar Display of Heavy Groove Power, really. Um, I don't know whether these guys invented the genre, but they put their spin on it like no other um, band, those uh, three guys. And, you know, I'd have to say four, you know. I'm sure Phil came in with some some um, some riffy uh, ideas and groove ideas, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, Diamond Vinny, um, oh, man. There's some some really really cool stuff, and um, being a drummer myself, um, I always just say this to Mick, the guitarist in my band. Um, like we met in high school in grade eleven, and we both found out on day one that we both liked the same kind of music, and uh, and when we started jamming. Uh, it was just a lot of fun in in the back shed at my place. And, um, you know, like, but when we actually started actually able, able, you know, had the ability to craft a half decent couple of uh, riffs and grooves together ourselves and then put a few sections together and actually write a song, um, just that, that feeling of uh, writing your own original song it's like it's hard to describe if you haven't done it that's all I can say um, it's like creating anything your own um, yes you know where your inspirations are you know where your influences are you might even be able to hear that in what you're doing or what you're creating 
or see it or feel it or whatever. Um, but it doesn't matter. Like you've you've come up with something that's you know uniquely yours, and that that's a super nice feeling. Even if it sucks to everyone else, but you guys dig it. No one who cares. But if others dig it, well, that's a bonus, and that's the reason bands get popular because X amount of people like it too, and then they go on tour, and then you've got people singing back your songs to you and jumping around like mad mad monkeys to your grooves, and that's super nice to witness as well. Even if it's a room of fifty or you know. A room of or a stadium of thousands it's it's still it's amazing, it's an amazing feeling not that i've experienced the latter of that but yes i have experienced the the room of 50 or 100 and uh that's pretty cool so oh my god it's almost 2 a.m uh 2 a.m what am i doing up i was watching cricket highlights on YouTube and listening to some of Bill Burr's Monday Morning Podcast. Uh, he's an interesting character, Mr. Burr. Um, yeah. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, man. Getting back to inspirational groove. Um, I know groove, most, when most people think of groove, they think of uh, funk, uh, maybe maybe a, a different genre of groove music than what I refer to. Because when I say groove, I actually mean heavy groove. Um, and, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be distorted, as in heavy, but it's got to have some grit, you know, um, some heavy elements, which is not necessarily distortion or low bottom end, but... That helps. That's really, uh, that's cool. I love that, obviously. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be distorted. Like, there's a lot of cool um, heavy tunes out there that aren't necessarily distorted. Um, at 2 a.m., I can't really give you any other examples that are coming into my head right now, but I know when I hear them. Because most of the examples I have in my head are the heavier distorted ones um another reason i love yeah the the other offshoot side project of mr phil uh down just nola holy crap man nola that was really the nola and uh corrosion of conformity's deliverance i mean our band was called deliverance gm um, we didn't name it after that album, um, but in hindsight, it was kind of like a an homage or a, a tribute or something to that album because it's got so much dirty, cool groove in that album. And Downs Nola, uh, they were all re- those two were released in a similar point of time, I think a year apart, maybe. Um, in the mid nineties and uh yeah, it just we were writing stuff um me and Mick in my parents shed in the back shed 
prior to around that time and prior to and then obviously a lot after because some of the grooves that we were coming up with we were hearing that vibe in those albums and we were like we got to do something man i remember saying to mick like listening to nola and deliverance and going we can do this stuff man like i'm not i mean like let's rip it off and do it it's like we're already doing it so let's do it you know you know this and <clears throat> there's a fan base for this stuff i mean we're our, we're the biggest fans ourselves of it and some of the grooves we wrote ourselves and we're like we got to put this out there man like even if it's just locally but we got to do something with what we're writing because we're on kind of the same wavelength as these guys and we don't even realize it and um you know it's not from coming from an egotistical point of view that's just coming from a just realizing that point of view and um it wasn't the same style of of uh, songwriting or anything but there were elements in there and um so that's what we did man we got to it and uh then we met carl in 97 the reason he came in is he heard us jamming see what happened was uh my folks we ran a convenience store in the heart of narang in queensland in just on the hinterland of the gold coast kind of the warongari side of narang for anyone who knows and if you don't i'm not going to explain it but uh yeah so we were there from 86 to about well i moved to brisbane in 97 but mum and dad had the store until early 2000s and then offloaded it um so yeah we were me and mick were jamming throughout end of high school 93 all the way on and off not that much in 90 not that much in yeah 93 94 probably 95 96 not so much then more again in 97 late 96 early 97 then a lot because and then we're like um we're getting a lot more inspired by all these bands coming out at that time. There were so many good mid nineties um, metal bands uh, and, and heavy groove, and you know, not all the same style either. Lots of different styles. Um, and then yeah, so like I said, we had the corner store, right? So I was working in the corner store and then jamming with Mick uh, when I didn't have to work. Um, you know, school was in between. And then obviously after school had done by then, school was done in 93, so no more school. We just wanted to be music stars, really, and I just didn't really give two shits too much about getting a career at that point or studying much. I did a few courses here and there in the arts and whatnot, but uh, visual arts, I mean. And, um, yeah, so... We were jamming and one day this dude walks into the shop and goes, oh, I heard you guys jamming, blah, 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 blah. And it's like he he liked it and then I said, oh, okay, so what do you play as well? He goes, yeah, 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 I play. And 
should have a jam one day. I said, okay, why not? So then he came in one weekend and brought his bass gear in and there you go. DGM was born. And, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun, man. We uh, wrote a bunch of stuff uh, pretty quickly. wasn't necessarily that awesome. Some of it was really cool. Um, some of the songs took a while to develop. Others just came together just like that, you know, in a few hours, really. Um, so it was interesting how the writing process was at that point, either laboured or easy. Um, but then it got a bit more free-flowing the more we got into it and the more we rehearsed, the more we um, had ideas, the things came together, the songs got a, you know better, groovier, heavier. And there yeah, we started gigging around. We used to go down to this place um, back then. It's not around anymore, down the coast. Um, in Talabajara, it was called the Playroom. It's on the water, Talabajara. There's the um, uh, the Talabajara Creek and he goes down out to the ocean. Um, there's a real popular swimming and um, sort of picnic spot down there now. I mean, there always was, but then the playroom was there on site and then they demolished it and then now it's just like a recreation centre and whatever. But, um, yeah, that that was a live venue, like one of the cool live venues on the coast. Had like a front room with a bar and pool tables and that was like on Wednesday they'd have jam nights there so bands could just come in, book in, play for half an hour or an hour, depending on how many people were there for jam nights. Sometimes you could get up there an hour and a half if there wasn't many people around or two hours sometimes, I think. Uh, but it was busy nights. You'd get like half an hour each or something and just have a jam. Some guys would rock up just just to have a jam um, with whoever they met there. Other times bands would rock up just to work out their stuff on a live situation, you know. And um, that was cool. That was, it was a good sort of uh, groundwork for actually getting up there and actually playing gigs. And then um, we got into that, that. That was like the front room, which was like small. Then at the back, they had the main room where they had all the big gigs. Like pretty decent room. You could fit quite a number of people in there and decent sized stage and all. We did get in there um, once for a, a gig and uh, cool sound. I remember they were really nice, heavy, chunky sound really good feet uh not feedback <laughs> really good fold back which was hard to come by at a lot of venues a piece of shit fold back good near anything but playroom had really cool fold back especially for the drummer i remember um you could you know it was right there with you and you could hear everything which was i think i was most happy about that than anything else rather than worrying about who was rocking out to our stuff um hey yeah so anyway that's enough of my uh inspirational musical escapades for this point in time it's already almost 20 minutes but i want to wrap this one up is uh basically 
um, that sometimes inspiration can come as a flash or a bolt of lightning. And sometimes it's like digging a 50-foot hole with a spoon. Like it takes some work, ongoing, ongoing, and then, yeah, you get there. I mean, you know you're onto something, and um, but you got to put in the hard yards to get that reward. And it's not a reward you get from anyone. It's 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 within your own self, and that's a bit like, you know inner practice, spiritual practice, whatever you may do, whether it's, you know, uh, meditation, some form of uh, uh, yoga, um, physical yoga or meditation or um, breathing exercises, chanting, um, studying um, scripture or or reading the life story of a spiritual master. Sometimes it's 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 real hard work because you, you it takes a long time to get into it, or it takes a long time to understand the techniques or what you're doing, or whether it's is it going to be if it's, is it really benefiting me or am I wasting my time? Um, how much more do I have to put in here before I see any results? Am I even doing it correctly? Am I, am I just, you know, am I just living in la-la land? You know, so many people, you, you have these questions. And um, sometimes it's like that with your creative, um, with writing music, with learning to draw, to paint, or to act or to sing or like you have those same thoughts going through your head and doubts and apprehensions and you know, the mind games that go on. It's with any practice, with any pursuit, you know. But, you know, eventually something happens. You turn the corner. um, You know, your your abilities develop. You get half-decent at something. Or you understand what works for you and how it works for you, and then you pursue it that way, and then you start to see something, and that's the beauty. That's the the inspiration comes, or the 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 result comes, and it's not always easy. Um, but that's also the beauty of it. So. Not, not always not thing good things don't always come easily sometimes they do but not always and um I think that's the moral of this episode We'll leave it for now.
see you next one. Bye.